that. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, we continue here in the Gospels series. Week one, we talked about uh, when Jesus was tempted and how we can respond in temptation when we were in Matthew chapter 4. Last week, we looked at uh, Matthew uh, 8, 9, and 10, when Jesus was healing people, specifically when Jesus healed the paralyzed man, said, your sins are forgiven, and then also healed the man. He got up and walked, and we broke that down. Um, and today's message is entitled, Jesus Feeds the Masses. And perhaps you've just, you can think of some of the, the most familiar Bible stories Ones that are taught in Sunday school, you know, or Jesus maybe turns water into wine. People can reference that one whether or not they have a whole lot of Bible knowledge. People often can reference Jesus feeding people with five loaves and two fish. And we're actually going to break these two accounts down. Jesus did this twice. He fed the masses twice in the uh, multiplication of a lunch, whether it was some bread and fish, and he multiplied it, and he fed the crowd. And the first account is in Matthew 14, which is where we're going to start. And that first time that Jesus did this, all four gospel writers actually record this account. And so, and in your Bibles, you'll notice it might say that Jesus feeds the 5,000. But in actuality, it was 5,000 men that Jesus fed. And that did not include the women and the children who were also present. Okay, and then a little bit later, Jesus does this a second time. And it says that he feeds the 4,000. Again, though, 4,000 men, not including the women and the children who were also present. A couple things that's interesting is the first time that Jesus did this, he actually was doing this miracle in Jewish territory. So it would have been a lot of Jewish people. The second time he does this, it's in Gentile territory. So the whole different set of people. And he brings this miracle to life for them. It was more than just 5,000 or 4,000. That was just men. The crowd would actually be more around probably that 15,000 mark, if you can imagine that. Some even say maybe even 20,000. Just to try to visualize this, uh, here's Wells Fargo Arena during the... Uh, uh, NCAA March Madness down there in Des Moines, that arena can fit about 16,000 people. So just imagine Jesus center court and someone brings their nachos to him and everybody's fed. Okay? You can imagine how big this crowd was. This crowd that was following Jesus was starting to build. And the memory verse for you guys this week was from Matthew 15, 30. It says, great crowds came to Jesus. They came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they laid them at his feet, and he healed them. This, this crowd would just know where he was at. They'd find out, and they would go. And you can imagine that many people around you, whether you were Jesus or you were his disciples, I'm sure at times that got pretty crazy, and the energy, and the, the, the noise, and, and all of that stuff, and they actually take a moment to just kind of step away from that, just for a little bit. And um, it's Jesus and the disciples going away to step away from that crowd. 
And then as they're on break, so to speak, the crowd finds them on break, and we see this first miracle taking place in Matthew 14. We're going to read starting in verse 13 of chapter 14, but before we begin, this is God's Word. I believe He speaks to us through His Word, so let's pray, settle our hearts, and ask God to speak to us today. So would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I thank You for this time together as we gather around Your Word. I believe you speak into our hearts, you speak into our lives, you desire to do great ministry today, and we just lean in to what it is that you're going to say through these accounts, through the scripture that your spirit has inspired, and here we are, 2,000 years later, gathering around your word, and I pray that you would bring this account to life for us right here and right now. We thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. <clears throat> so news has spread to him that John the Baptist has been killed. Okay, and it says that as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Now, alone with his disciples. Other, other uh, gospels would say it was Jesus and his disciples that went off to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Well, that evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they could go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. Okay, think of how big this crowd is and how many disciples he has. All right, guys, you feed them. Okay, and in verse 17, it says, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Well, bring them here, he said. Then he took, or then he told the people to sit down on the grass, and Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. Okay? That's the account with the Jewish people. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 15. Verse 32, this is now another feeding, and Jesus is now with Gentile people. Matthew 15, verse 32, so Jesus called his disciples and he told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they've, they have nothing to eat, and I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. Well, the disciples replied, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Wow. <laughs> How many of you are thankful that the disciples were a little bit dense, right? Because it allows me to be like, okay, there's moments in my life where I'm probably going to lack that kind of faith and even recalling maybe what just took place. Well, in verse 34, Jesus asked them, well, how much bread do you have? And they replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. 
So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. And then he took the seven loaves and the fish and he thanked God for them and broke them into pieces and gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men who were fed that day in addition to all the women and the children. Then Jesus sent the people home and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. And that's where we'll end here for our reading. It's kind of interesting, um, 12 baskets of leftovers with the first feeding and seven baskets of leftovers. There's a variety of theories. Sometimes you can uh, look at numbers and different meanings of numbers. But uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting in my study of uh, these two passages is that remember who he was with the first miracle. It was the Jewish people, okay? And the nation of Israel would have had 12 tribes, and there's 12 leftover baskets of food. Then he's with the Gentiles, people who are not Jews. And when God had told them about the land that they were going to take, the promised land, there were nations that were going to be removed from the promised land so that then Israel would come in. And in that promised land were seven nations. And here Jesus is now with the uh, Gentiles, those who are not Jews, and there's seven leftover baskets of food. I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know about you, but in the midst of that, you just kind of wonder, was there a purpose to the 12 and the 7? And we can speculate on that. Uh, but I thought, when I read that, I thought that was very interesting. He's with the Jewish people. He's with the Gentile people. And those are the baskets he had left over. I want to draw out a few things from these two accounts and, and also kind of pulling some supplemental information from the other gospel accounts. Okay, the second time Jesus did this feeding, Mark was also one who recorded that. Mark did the first one in chapter 6, and then he did the second one in chapter 8. Uh, those are the only two writers that recorded this second feeding with the Gentiles. And so I'm going to pull a few things out of this. And the first thing I want to just have us recognize here is Jesus' love for people. Okay, right out the gate, it, it says that he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. And at one point, too, he says, I feel sorry for these people. And I don't want to send them away hungry. I mean, you could just see God's heart for people. And the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus. We know that God is a giver and he loves. He loves the whole world. But you see this in, in a moment where you're drawing away from the crowd because you've been busy with how many different people and then they interrupt your break and yet you have compassion and you have love on them. I don't know about you, but I would probably react like the disciples. And I think here's a, here's a flesh reaction. They actually tried to dismiss the people. You'll notice in Matthew 14, verse 15, they told Jesus, send the crowds away. Send them, send them out of here. You know, we're on break right now. Okay, and you factor in the fact that Mark, in chapter 6, they said, let's go by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. How many of you just need that from time to time? I need to step away from the noise, get to somewhere quiet, and just rest and relax 
And they said this because there were so many people that were coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat. Themselves, they didn't even have time to eat. And so they finally get a chance to step off to the side, and guess what? Boom, here comes the crowd. Jesus, he's got compassion on them, and the disciples are like, send them away. Okay, I'm going to speak a little bit real here, but I think for all of us, there's probably moments in our lives when ministry opportunities come knocking at our door and our first reaction is, <laughs> send them away. I don't have time for this. I, this is me time here. I'm unwinding. I'm, I'm resting. I'm hungry. I'm, I mean, fill in the blank. But Jesus had compassion. And he's like, no, guys, we're, we're going to address this. You know, buckle up because we've got another how many hours of ministry yet. But you can see the contrast between Jesus and, and our humanity of just reacting, trying to send them away, and Jesus' love for them. Well, in the midst of this, they realize Jesus wants to minister to them, and so it's like, okay, so what do we do here? And there's an assignment <clears throat> that's given to them. Jesus tells them in several of these accounts, he says, you feed them. You feed them. So it's like, he has compassion on them, and they're like, send them away. And Jesus is like, no, we're going we're gonna to spend some time with him, and I'll, you guys feed him. And you think, why would he say that? They, I mean, I think to some degree, this is a moment here where Jesus reveals to them that this is something they can't do on their own. There's no way you're going to be able to feed this amount of people. David Jeremiah says the disciples had no food with which to feed the hungry crowd, but Jesus told them to give them something to eat. <laughs> it's like each of them reaching in their pockets being like, I got two starbursts and uh, let's see, a pack of gum. Start passing it around, right? They end up finding this lunch and God does stuff with it, but I think it's interesting that God often gives his children tasks that they cannot complete in their own strength. I just read a verse that we opened up with that it says that in each and every circumstance that I'm faced with, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No matter what circumstance comes to my doorstep, I know that I can walk through this, not in my own strength, but in the strength that Christ gives. We have to get to a place where we know that the only way that we can do this is when we rely on the Lord to provide. And a situation like this probably seems impossible, but something that seems impossible for man is possible for God. And so God begins to work through this. He gives them the assignment, probably an opportunity for them to assess they can't do this on their own. And so now a teachable moment begins to unfold. Okay, there's some questions that start popping up here from the disciples. And Jesus, he says, how much bread do you have? He's asking them to sort of take inventory. Okay, so he asks them that. Just like, do you have enough for 16,000 people? I mean, there's a teachable moment that, that, that's going on here. And in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, Jesus asks the disciple Philip, he goes, 
hey, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? Look at him just kind of have that conversation with Philip. And what's interesting with this is the Scriptures tell us that in that question, he was testing Philip. He's like, Philip, where could we buy enough bread to feed all these people? He's testing him. For he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew. And I remember when I lived in Minnesota prior to being a pastor, um, the ministry I was a part of, the first year as an intern, whatever support letters came in financially for you, that was your paycheck. And for me, that year I lived on about anywhere between twelve dollars to $14,000 for the year. Okay, And that's a lot of money, but at the same time, that can go very quickly on the expenses that you have. And I can remember being in a worship service in Minnesota and just thinking, man, things are not adding up right in my mind and even in the circumstance and things like that. And I'm like, Lord, I just, I struggle with this, the, the resources, and I just, I'm in this position, in this spot, and I just feel like I am where the Lord told me to be, but it's just tight, okay? And I remember them highlighting this very passage with the conversation with Jesus and Philip. And it's like every time I turned around, God was giving me these little moments where it's like, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? And I remember actually showing up to that worship service a little bit bugged and worried and concerned about how God was going to make ends meet. And boom, that's what was given that particular night. He was testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. And I saw God show up so many times financially. And I know some of you have probably heard these stories before. And some of you, we've got a lot of newer folks in the last several months. And so I'm just going to share just a couple things. But one is I remember one night I had a student loan payment that was coming up. And the money was not there. And I was kind of frustrated. And praying to the Lord, like, Lord, how am I going to do this, you know? And I just remember him giving me a peace that I just cannot fully describe to you. It just came to me. And the next morning, whenever support cards would come in the mail from supporters, the business director would put them on my desk so you knew who to write thank yous to. And that very next morning, after kind of that moment of wrestling with God and just how is this going to work, how am I going to be provided for, there were hundreds of dollars that came in the very next morning. And it was through that experience I began to realize that God really does provide for our needs and the things that we walk through. He cares for each and every single one of us. He knows the number of hairs that are on our head, some more than others. But in the midst of that, I realized God is so concerned with me. He doesn't have to be concerned with my situation. But it blew me away with how much he really does care about people. And I'm just one person in a crowd of many, and he has compassion on me. And he provides for my needs. I remember later on in that experience, toward the end of my year-long internship, they offered me a job, and they said, Russ, we can offer you $20,000. And I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, that was huge for me, a huge step, and I didn't have to write any more letters. I just could rely on a paycheck. That was huge. So appreciated that. And they offered me the job, and I remember kind of praying through it, discerning through it, 
an Excel sheet. Here's the budget. Here's how all this works. And I remember just wrestling on this with the Lord. And I said, as I'm looking at this, as the expenses come in and all of this stuff, Lord, if it was $25,000, it would probably work. And I just remember that sense of him saying, just trust me. And I'm like, well, you've been faithful every step of the way. I'm going to trust you with this. And in the final week of my internship, there was a shift in our department, and our department lead was resigning, and uh, my boss ended up, this was one week after all this, he said, let's, let's go out for lunch again. Um, and I knew what he was going to be talking about, and he said, obviously with this shift, you might as well stay within your department. That makes probably the most sense. He said, there's just one change. I said, what's that? Instead of $20,000, we'll be able to offer you twenty-five. And I just want to tell that story by just saying, God knows your needs. He knows what you're walking through. And it's not like I was like, Lord, if I could just have 125, you know. It just lay out our needs. This is where I'm at, Lord. This is, this is what I need to, to work through this situation. He provides for our needs. And sometimes we walk through some testing. Are we really going to trust that He truly does provide? Do you believe that God is faithful? How many of you have ever experienced His faithfulness at some point in your life? Okay? And I just believe this with all my heart. If He's been faithful before, He will be faithful again. He is faithful. He is faithful. So the disciples come up with this humble offering. Okay, they bring in the five loaves of bread and the two fish. John 6 actually calls these barley loaves. And if you're making bread with barley at that time, that's a very poor individual. I just like how that's brought out. The humble meal that this is. Barley loaves and fish. This is all we got, Lord. What are you going to do with this for 16,000 people? Okay, and in the other account, they had seven loaves and a few small fish. One uh, commentary I read talked about how the fish were like sardines. That's about how big they were. So real humble-sized fish, too. This wasn't a big old, you know, like carp or something. <laughs> These were small fish. And so this is brought to them. And how easy it is for us that when we go through things, we, we look at the, the humble things that we have. And oftentimes when we're going through difficult things, we focus on the, on the problem, don't we? It's like, this is all we have. This is all we have. And yet it's enough that God can do something with it. So let's look at their f flesh reaction. The first one was dismissal. This next one is they have some doubt. Okay, so some of the things they say with their doubt is that we only have five loaves and two fish. In John 6, verse 9, Andrew goes, what good is that with this huge crowd? Okay, and then look at the second account. When we kind of stopped reading and we said, wow, how dense the disciples maybe were, to forget this miracle that took place the first time, and here they are now the second time. Matthew 15, they go, where would we get enough food in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? And then Mark 8, how are we supposed to find enough food? 
He's been faithful before. He can be faithful again, and He works through our doubt. How easy it is for us to throw our hands up in despair when we face difficult situations. And like the disciples, we can often forget that if God has cared for us in the past, He will do the same for us now. He still cares for us. So what do they do with this humble offering? This is where the miracle takes place, guys. They bring it to the hands of Jesus. They bring it in and they place it into Jesus' hands. This food is multiplied through His hands, both the first feeding and the second feeding. And in the midst of that, as He tells them, bring them here, I think for all of us, no matter what we're walking through, no matter the things that we have, we just say, I'm bringing this to Jesus. Because I know that when it's brought and placed into His hands, He's going to do something with it. But how often do we try to take things in our own hands and try to work with it for a while before we're like, okay, I'm done. And then we hand it over. But we, we bring what we have to the Lord. And what's interesting in Luke 9, they just keep coming back to Him. And He says He kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute. We look to Him as our source, as our provider. Jesus' hands provide the miracle. And in the midst of that, guys... This is, this is really neat. There were leftovers. A crowd like that, the humble offering they had, the meal that they, they had available, there was still leftovers. And God is a God who is an abundant God. They ate as much as they wanted, 12 baskets left over. They all ate as much as they wanted, seven baskets of leftover food. Our God does not run out of resources. I heard somebody say recently, he's a no-lack God. He does not lack in resources. And he can show up. In fact, in Philippians 4.19, we read this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of of His glory in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you guys a question. Do you see the gospel in these two accounts? Can you see the gospel of how Jesus would eventually sacrifice His life for people? And I look ahead to when He was with His disciples at the Last Supper and in Matthew 26 verse 26, the Bible says that Jesus took bread and He broke it, giving thanks, and then He gave it to His disciples. Now, when they were doing this feeding, the first time and the second time, Jesus had the bread and He gave thanks for it. He broke it and He gave it to the disciples to give to everybody who was present. Now you fast forward to that final evening he had with his disciples. What are some things that are going through their mind? As he takes this bread, and he's telling them heavy things. 
And they're probably reflecting on their time with him. And here he breaks this bread and he gives it to them, just like those moments when they were feeding the crowd. But now they're here, just the disciples and Jesus, having the Last Supper together. And Jesus says, take and eat this, because this is my body. My body is going to be broken for you. And so just as Jesus broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and then they distributed, I want you to just think about this in terms of the gospel in kind of a figurative manner here. Okay? Jesus, his body was broken. That sacrifice that he made on the cross so that you and I can be set free. That's distributed. And we receive Jesus Christ and his forgiveness of our sin. And we get this new life that's found in him. And then we, in turn, then go out and distribute. We share about the bread of life. That's the gospel. And you can see it here in this story. I want us to just think about these things here this morning as we get ready to share in communion together. There's a couple responses that I just want you to reflect on. The first one is this. Are you going through anything right now where maybe the problem seems rather big? And maybe there's that despair. How in the world are we even going to get through this? I want to just encourage you today to hand that over into Jesus' column and say, He has got this, and I'm going to trust Him for the miracle that I know that He can do. The other thing I want to just emphasize for a response today is it's possible that you have not received Christ like the disciples received Christ. To follow Him, to say, I want Him to be my Lord and my Savior. You know, God is inviting us to have that relationship with Him. Just yesterday, I made a phone call, just a kind of a, a business call, something that I had to line up for this month, and I, I accidentally hit one wrong number. And my phone call transferred me down to Houston, Texas. And I was trying to get somebody in the local area. But the person answered. I said, hey, is this, you know, so-and-so? And they said, well, no. I, you might have the wrong number. I am, and they gave me where they were. I'm in like a rehab. I'm that guy at a hospital, and I happened to get their room. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I, I think I really do have the wrong number here. And um, I said, um, well, look, I, I'm just going to be straight with you here. Um, I'm a pastor. I was just calling somebody else, and I got you, and you're in kind of a hospital situation. Could I pray for you? And uh, they said, well, you know, I guess you could. I'm actually going to be going home tomorrow, so I've made lots of improvements, and, and I think I'm pretty good. And so I said, well, I just kind of think that this has been orchestrated, and I would like to have a conversation with you. Maybe we can pray. Then I'm thinking, okay, is this one of those moments where the Lord, maybe this person's not saved? 
And this is a, a call, if you will, that the Lord has made to them, an opportunity to come to know Christ. And so as we're talking together, I, I just kind of explained a couple things. And, and one of the things I just simply said, she asked me what church I was a part of. Like she would know Faith Community Church. Okay? But I said, well, I'm from you know, this church. We're non-denominational, but we believe that Jesus is where salvation is at. We put our faith and we put our trust in him for the forgiveness of our sin. And folks, this is where it turns not so funny. She said, sir, I don't believe in heaven or hell, and I think this conversation's probably over. And she hung up. And I got to believe that Jesus and his compassion for people, as I'm standing there in my kitchen to make that phone call, I'm thinking, what if that was her last opportunity? As God in his grace reaches out to us, he wants you to know him. He has compassion on you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, how far away you've lived from him, how angry you've been at him, doesn't matter. He has compassion on you and he wants a relationship with you. And every Sunday, I stand at this pulpit and I give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ, to be their Lord and their Savior. Because you never know when that might be the last time somebody gets that opportunity to respond. And so as we go to prayer together, if you are not in a place where the Lord is your Savior, and you've asked Jesus into your heart, I want to lead you in that today. Don't pass up the love of God. He wants to redeem you from your sin. Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, I thank you for your provision in our life. Lord, you provide for our needs from your glorious riches. And one of the greatest needs in our life is the need for Jesus to settle the account of sin in our life. And if there's somebody listening right now that you can't think of that moment in your life where you settled that sin issue, Jesus is calling you. He came to redeem you from that sin. He came to give you new life. And I want to invite you to respond to his call today. If you desire to receive him, simply Pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I receive you today by grace through faith. I ask for forgiveness of my sin that separates me from you. And I ask that you would make me a new person. That the old is gone, the new has come. And I want to walk in a relationship with you. Today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And Father, as all of us respond today to this message, help us to know that you are our provider, you are faithful, you are a miracle worker, and Lord, we can bring all of the things that we're walking through to you. We can surrender it all and just say, Lord, help us. 
We thank you for this time together in your word. Holy Spirit, continue to guide us from this moment forward with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.